Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome. We are live in the In the Numbers studio podcast. We're in the Bull Podcast studio. Uh, we're here. This is our second uh, episode here. We are excited to be here in season two on the video trail. You got me live. You got some little studio things in the in the back. I may cut an album by the end of the season. I haven't decided yet where we're thinking about that. But we're excited today, uh, the End of Numbers podcast. We actually have our first repeat guest. So we are excited about this. And the number of for today is 90. And the reason why the number of the day is 90, because for over 90 years now, the Associated General Contractors have been engaged out here in the uh, Oregon Columbia chapter. And we are excited today to have Asha back. Everybody give Asha a big round of applause. And we're excited to have uh, Asha Ello back here, who in her new role now is with Associated General Contractors. We had her before when she was uh, doing some work in workforce development with the chamber of, uh, and at the Gresham Area Chamber of Commerce. And now she is over at Associated General Contractors. Asha, welcome. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jarvez. I'm really glad I got a chance to come back. Thanks for inviting me. Um, and thanks for being willing to talk a little bit about AGC and what we're doing. Um, and actually, we're really excited. Next year is our centennial anniversary. So we are 100 years next year in 2020. Oh, oh. AGC, uh, Oregon Columbia chapter. We are getting over there. My great grandfather, he used to always wanted, wanted to live to 100. He would always say 99 and a half just <laughs> won't do. So I know everybody's going to be excited for the centennial celebration. We're going to have a big parade. Are we, are we you know, one parade style or <laughs> we have um what i've what i consider to be a, one of the most top-notch events teams i've ever worked with and they have worked with our volunteer leadership to put together an entire there's a display that will be housed at the oregon historical society there's also a traveling display that will move around the state uh various area councils um those area councils are made up of community-based organizations educators and then of course our members um those area councils will also host events, everything from happy hours to top golf to, you know, I think there's a top shot tournament in there somewhere as well. Um, so, you know, all over the state, there'll be traveling exhibits and events celebrating the centennial. I mean, man, this is this, this is going to be huge. You know, you have me at top golf, you know, I might need to go swing a little bit. Now, I am terrible, which is why I love top golf. Top golf is for everybody who is terrible like me. We can't actually golf, but we want to pretend like we we know some about it. Half the time I miss the ball, so it is it is bad. Now you get me on a putt putt course, I got you. You know, if there's a if there's a windmill or a clown, you know, I can I, I can do damage on, on those types of courses. Well, uh, I first want to say welcome. I believe you were uh, actually this is technically your first appearance on in the numbers podcast. Uh, you you joined us in our infancy when we were still uh, the real steamy, uh, but we, we 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 switched it over. We're now in the numbers, and uh, we're excited to have you back. So tell us a bit about this uh this new role that you well the role isn't new, but you're new to the role over with the Associated General Contractors. Yeah, so um, for the record, I love working for the chamber. That it's a great area. Um, there's a lot of really great, exciting things and work being done over there. Um, my colleague, um, I'd been on the AGC, the Associated General Contractors. Uh, the Associated General Contractors to start out is the home of building uh, commercial construction in Oregon. So we're the Commercial Construction Trade Industry Association, and uh, we're made up of members and we're member driven. Um, and my colleague, I'd been on the AGC Workforce Coalition, and the coalition is. Um, there's over 100 members on it. We get anywhere from 30 to, honestly, 30 to 100 every time, but every other month we have a meeting, and I've been on that. They showcase different organizations from around the state. Um, sometimes we'll talk about member programming. It's actually one of the things that got me most excited about AGC, and it was the only employer-led 
organization getting involved in workforce development that I'd ever seen to my point in my career. I'd seen a lot of people be really excited about it and a lot of people be invested and a lot of people participate, but a group of employers saying, you know what, we have a serious shortage and we are willing to come to the table and do anything that we can do to address it was super exciting. So I've been on the coalition for about a year and a half and my colleague, Aaron, who had known since I worked at ERCO, um, he called me and said he's moving to Cambodia and would I like to you know, apply for the job at AGC and here I am. So I replaced um, two people. I replaced Aaron Bouchain, who was actually one of the founding members, if I'm mista- if not mistaken, of the East Metro STEAM um, program. So I know he was one of the first on board there. He used to be with Impact Northwest and then moved to AGC about four years ago. So he, and then I replaced another woman who was focusing on the educator externship side, which is an exciting program and one of my, my most favorite that I get to work with. And, um, and about my role at AGC. So again, I'm a workforce and professional development manager. So I get to do really cool stuff, even more so than I got to do at the chamber. I get to run our educator externship program. That is a program that takes educators, obviously, but also school district professionals, um, middle school teachers, heck, kindergarten teachers in some areas, out and exposes them for seven to eight days in the summer to the construction industry. And that looks like they, I plan the whole week for them in coordination with our members and our members give of their time and usually their money (laughs) of their PPE or personal protective equipment. And they bring these teachers on site and we talk about everything from safety to apprenticeships to pre-apprenticeship programs to um, heavy highway and civil general contracting back office. Uh, We also have visit a two-year and a four-year university and cover pathways programming, but they get a chance to spend days on site. And it's not just with, um, it's with all sections of the company. They see marketing, they see accounting, they see specialty contractors like Mr. Reuter. And my personal favorite was watching one of our company presidents, who's one of our volunteer leaders, grab a group of, I think it was about five Portland Public School educators and personally walk them around to job sites for an entire morning. And he just came back so jazzed. He just absolutely loves the program. He's one of the founders, Steve Mullaney of PNC Construction. And he just is, he, they love doing it. It energizes them. It shows the, the um, educators about what the construction really, industry really is. Lots of pathways, lots of opportunity. Um, and it's, it's one of my most favorite programs. I do professional development um, for our members. I run the professional development side. And then on workforce, I deal with things like strategic planning and vision, um, helping align some of the training. Um, and one of the coolest things I've gotten to do recently was actually to attend the inaugural AGC Workforce Summit, which was attended by members, contractors, HR people. I said members. Uh, some educators, uh, not a lot of educators could travel, a lot of community-based organizations, and we just kind of got together, and, and AGC is a very forward-looking organization, and they're not interested in the war stories of the past. They want to know how we can solve the issues today and how we can do so in a positive way moving forward. So it was a one-day seminar. It was in St. Louis. Very long traveling, but it was really fun, and I got a lot of great ideas and got to hear about a lot of exciting programming around the U.S. Now that's fantastic. Would you would you talk a little bit more about? It is just really interesting how uh, you talked about the the employers are really kind of leading this this effort. And what we uh, was 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 common is there that there always seems to be uh, this kind of finger pointing when it when it comes to uh, education, workforce, and then industry. Um, not saying it's the other people's fault for whatever things are out there, but there always seems to be we, we kind of tend to work in these silos, and then it's it's expected that somebody else is kind of going to make the the, the next step. So it's, hey, we're not connected, but we need such and such to be connected here. And, and t- just talk a little bit about how the, the employers are really uh, taking initiative in, in, in this regard. Yeah, I mean, you've done this as long as I have, Jarvez. It's, it's ultimately nobody, I wouldn't say it's anybody's fault, right? I think it's just a lot of people trying to do the right work, but not communicating very well. And I love to say frequently that again, much like you've been in your career, I, I tend to be a facilitator and a translator, right? You've got education speaking one language and industry speaking another, and here's you in the middle trying to translate that for both sides, right? Like that's, that's what I feel like a lot of times. And 
these employers, my members, um, are with some of the most, we have um, a lot, a lot, the majority of our organization is actually made up of smaller contractors. We do have some large ones, um, but we have a lot of specialty contractors. It's really exciting for me personally. I love mid-sized to small business. They just came to the table and said, we are losing employees by droves. And that's just because of what's called the silver tsunami, right? You've got tons of baby boomers retiring left, left right, and sideways. And the numbers are staggering. Um, and they knew that, that it was going to take everybody to come together and say, look, we haven't done a great job marketing who we are. Um, we haven't done a great job showing off that, you know what, there's a lot of really exciting things that we do. And I have to tell you, they're the most passionate group of people. If you want to know anything about what they do, they will tell you for days. And so they just came to the table and said, what can we do? And actually out of the coalition meeting uh, about five years ago, that's where the educator externship program was born, was a couple of contractors went to one of the school districts, uh, ESDs, and said, hey, we want this, you want this, how do we make that happen? And they just stepped forward and said, we know we don't know a lot about education, but we know we want to participate with you. We know that you don't know anything about us. Tell us how we do it. Steve Mullaney was one of those, Warren Watts of H, uh, Watts HVAC Heating and Cooling, he was one of those, Stacey Llewellyn of Lease Crutcher, Lease Crutcher Lewis. She's the controller, which is a fancy word for being uh, yeah, like kind of head finance person. So again, she gets a chance to, to talk about back office and what people actually pay and, and those kinds of things. They came together with education, so let's do this. They also, my board has invested in a, a statewide, very aggressive, very progressive uh, image campaign. Um, we have everything from, I have literal trading cards, I have posters, and then I have a very beautiful site called Build Oregon, which is working in concert with a digital advertising campaign and an influencer campaign to try and reach people 18 to 35 to show them about what construction is. If you're in the industry and want to change or want to grow, we're there for you. If you're brand new, we're here for you. Let's help you figure this out and get connected. And if you're... <laughs> If you're um, a parent, a friend, a mentor, a tutor, to be completely frank with you, somebody that's 55 to 64, because I have a huge amount of click-through rates on my site from people that are 55 to 64 that are praying that grandkids or kids want to get out of their basement and get to go doing something good and help build some stuff, we, we're there for you too. And this site called build-oregon.com is the hub of commercial construction in Oregon. It's it's designed to show you what it is that you can do if you want to, you know, do something a little bit different. So that's they've come to the table to be as progressive as possible in how can we do it differently? How do we reach Gen Z with a total understanding that, you know, we don't always know what resonates with them, but we're willing to learn and we're willing to try. And that's and that's definitely one thing that that we like to promote here at the at the at the partnership is having kids, especially, uh, but young adults and, and even adults, really exposed to, to various opportunities that are out there. And what we're, what we're seeing is because there's been a uh, kind of a, a disincentive, sort of, uh, uh, there's a better word for that, but there's been less emphasis on trades in the schools, um, you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, less trades, less music and arts. We, we've seen some of those things where you might have gotten uh, some trade experience, even in middle school, uh, maybe kind of before Measure 5. And now you're, you're, you're not seeing that as much uh, for, for many of the students. They're not exposed to woodworking or exposed to metals or exposed to construction. And... Uh, that coupled with, uh, because we want to encourage folks to have the opportunity to go to college who want to, uh, people are only seeing that we're saying, hey, go to college, don't do any trades. And what we're seeing is, is twofold. Is a, there are a lot of trade jobs or work in construction uh, that, that are, that do take college degrees. So there's engineering jobs, uh, one of my 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 best uh, friends, one of my fraternity brothers, uh, works for a, a local company here in in the Portland area, and he 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 majored in construction engineering management at Oregon State, and so there's those type of positions. There's a variety of positions, even if you do go to college, that are in the trades, 
And then if you do go the trade route, uh, you, you can definitely, there's Northwest College of Construction. There's uh, various other training opportunities, even within uh, some of the unions to be able to, to get uh, journey level, et cetera, in a variety of trades. And there's so many opportunities there that a lot of people just don't know about. And they don't have the experience with, they haven't been a part of the, the pre-apprenticeship program. We're actually gonna have uh, Constructing Hope on here, uh, I believe in a couple of weeks to talk about uh, the pre-apprenticeship program and just finding different ways for young people to be exposed. Uh, you talked about some of those things where, where people can spend a week and some of those things. Uh, how have folks, have, have you seen folks actually take those experiences and, and kind of redirect their career paths after being a part of some of those? It's the educators that we focused on so far, um, and it's called educator externship. But the idea is, is they take that back to their classroom, i.e. Um, the guy I keep referring to because he just, he was so excited, the chemistry teacher, um, and he was a high school chemistry teacher. He wanted to actually build his classroom to look more like a workshop instead of a straight chemistry classroom. So he was really fa fascinated by a lot of the environmental science side of things when like Lakeside Industries, they actually managed to recycle their dust to uh, lower their um, economic, or excuse me, uh, environmental impact. And so the teachers loved that kind of thing. So he was looking for that. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say I've seen someone like change pathways per se, but I do know that there are people that do love to teach. So that are that they're teaching now that had been in woodworking. One guy was an environmental science teacher. He used to be a woodworker. In fact, he built sailboats. And then the other guy actually did tile um, before he went into uh, teaching. And so they wanted to incorporate that into their classroom because they still had that passion for it. Um, you know, to your point about exposure in middle school, there's a fair coming up in Lane County that's designed and targeted at middle schools. They're like, come show off what you do to middle school students. And and with my previous work, you know, it has to be targeted and talked about in a certain way so that the students have a good understanding. But honestly, it's it's great to start as young as possible and get them kind of familiar with it. And to your point as well about trades being, you know, we've had a, a stigma against trades and, oh, well, that's, you know, people that go into trades or this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, what they are is just people looking to do something a little bit different. And I wish I, wish I could share uh, every year AGC of America uh, gives awards for safety and for building projects, um, stuff that was exceptionally hard or just really unique. Um, eight of our members got those awards uh, this year, but one of the coolest things to me was watching the videos of these people drilling and building on the sides of mountains and cliffs in underwater and in dams. And I'm thinking if they could see, like if you could take this footage and just package it and be like, this is what you do. Like, it's not just picking up a hammer, and putting on a hard hat. You are literally building America's infrastructure. You're, you're building America. You're helping rebuild it. Um, and it was really inspiring to me, who's not going to be in the trades anytime soon, but the things that people want to do. And our members too have said time and time again, it's not college never. It's just maybe not college right now. Figure out what you want to do within the trades. And sometimes you either get help paying for it, your employer will pay for it, um, there's a training program at Lynn Benton that, um, is it Peterson Cat? I always get this wrong. Um, there's Peterson Cat and there's another one that I'm forgetting right off the top of my head. And they pay, they help, they, with Lynn Benton College or partners. And one young lady ended up with a lot of her training paid for because they're like, we need heavy duty, heavy duty diesel mechanics and you're willing to go into it. So let us, subs and so you don't have to always make that choice. Sometimes it's getting in for a couple of years, making some good money and deciding I want to go that way. So then you start to go towards the college route, right? Like you don't have to choose. It can be either or, but it's a great place to start. Yeah, and I, I went to college and I, you know, I'm always one that I believe in empowering people and whatever that you want to do, I want you to be able to do it. So if you want to go to college, I want you to be able to go there. If you want to do a trade, I want you to be able to go there. If you want to do both, I want you to be able to do that. Uh, whatever it is that that makes you happy, I want you to be able to do that. And I also look at it from a, a living wage perspective and an economic justice perspective. I want especially those who've uh, been marginalized and not been able to allow to, to do certain things to be able to jump in. And 
I know sometimes there's always this, uh, hey, if you're in college, you're doing these great things. And, you know, I'm, I'm still in school, so I definitely uh, support it and I believe in that also. But I also know how much it costs for me to get an electrician to come to my house or how much it costs for me to get a plumber to come to my house. And I also know that I can't build anything and I feel bad about that. And it wasn't that I wasn't exposed in school. Uh, I, I've, I've told this story multiple times, how I was in, uh, in, in wood shop and some other shops uh, in high school. And they just told me, hey, for the safety of everyone in here, why don't you just stay away from the equipment <laughs> and uh, let somebody else do it? Because you, you're going to hurt somebody or yourself messing around with some of this stuff. Uh, but I was, always, I was always impressed by the folks that could do that. Uh, we, we need people building our houses. We're, 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 you talk about building America. We're, we're redoing our infrastructure. We're, 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 we're doing big projects now. We're looking at uh, how some of these bridges are going. So we're looking at you know, potentially a new I-5 bridge. There were some talks in East County about having a, a kind of an East County connection over uh, the, the Columbia that hasn't necessarily materialized. There always been talks about, about that, which I still think would be fantastic. Uh, but it, it takes those folks and it takes all of us working together and there shouldn't be uh, stigmas with, with, with jobs. But I think that's what we're seeing now when you see some employers are saying, hey, we can't find people to work. I don't think we have a, a shortage of people who want to work. I think we have a shortage of uh, people who want to work in a, in, a, in a field that they don't feel is dignified and don't feel that they're going to make a living wage doing it. Like, you know, I can, uh, you know, it's, we have folks who deal with crap, but we should pay them if they're going to be dealing with crap. I joke with some of my sanitation friends about that. I have a buddy who works in wastewater uh, treatment, and he's like, "I take all the crap from everybody as a as a joke." But it, but it's folks that can construct those things who are building sewers, pipes, and uh, we we need folks to do that. And there is so much money to be made. Uh, like I said, my buddy is an electrician. He's living a whole lot better than me. <laughs> I could say. Uh, I can say that much. But before we go, today uh, in the numbers podcast is sponsored by, by the East Metro Steam Partnership. Yes, I know we sponsored our own show, so leave me alone. <laughs> the East, part of the East Metro Steam Partnership is now has openings for folks on the leadership team as well as the uh, as well as the action team. Uh, you can learn more information about, about these openings uh, by going to our website at eastmetrosteam.org. That's eastmetrosteam.org. And you can find more information about our leadership team and about our action teams and how you, your business, or your community organization can be involved. At East Metro Steam Partnership, we work to provide equitable access to STEAM learning opportunities and hope that that will lead to a skilled workforce, engage stakeholders, and help support underrepresented communities. Our goal is to create partnerships that support STEAM education and increase community awareness around STEAM. Well, thank you for these Metro STEAM partnerships for sponsoring today's episode. So what are some, uh, what are some cool things? So if I'm a if I'm if I'm a teacher, you know, I really want my my students to get excited about uh, about some of these these works in the in the trade and some of these really cool things. Uh, what 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 kind of things can can I as a teacher do? Of course, I, I could sign up, uh, but are there some other resources that that some teachers can bring to the classroom to uh, let students know about what was going on? Our um... We, we just have some amazing people in the industry. I've, I've been in a lot of great industries. I've been in workforce development for what feels like a long time. And I don't know that I've ever got quite as much just by asking. So um, for instance, uh, John Hickey of the Asphalt Pavement Association of Oregon, APAO, frequently does presentations. And in fact, put two entire work-based learning projects together that are um, replicable and available for anybody that asks. I'd be happy to send that over to you, Jarvez, um, for distribution. 
but it's a, there's two work-based learning projects teachers can do in the classroom. Um, and that's the asphalt. I didn't know they existed. I, I'm in the industry. I've been in the industry for six months. I didn't know that they existed until February, excuse me, until June. Um, and he just is really committed to it. So uh, asking that, uh, using those examples, his is an example of, I believe it's like how to build an asphalt project. And it has a lot of math and some measuring and stuff, but it's very scalable to pretty much any classroom. Um, getting involved with our coalition is a good way. Um, again, we try and hold those every other month. And so they're not too unwieldy. Um, we try and encourage people to network with each other. Asking um, us, I'm always willing to be a source of help. I know how hard it is to communicate sometimes with industry or even find people in your area. And so it's like, hey, I've reached out to this one guy time and time again. It's like, oh, well, he's not getting back to you because he's actually a residential builder and he's up to his eyebrows in business and he doesn't have time to, to call back. But let me connect you with Hamilton Construction or this other subcontractor that actually does have some time and would love to talk to you and get into the schools. Uh, Lauren Watts, that's what he does. He embraces pretty much any school that will listen to him and he has helped a number of people into the trades. And so sometimes it's making those connections. In your local community, um, you could hit up a workforce investment board or your chamber of commerce to find out where some of these folks are. A lot of people are having bond work done. Um, I know Gresham Barlow, that's one route they took. I believe Hillsborough and Beaverton have done the same thing where they literally just walked up to the guys and they're like, hey, hi, so um, you're doing work on our school. Can our students come watch? Very easy. And yes, they actually could. They ended up doing a much more robust program called Construction Pathways. But a lot of times it's just asking. Sometimes, again, if you're a teacher in the state of Oregon or even especially in the metro area, we have members all over the place and I can definitely connect you to the ones that are willing to be involved and want to be involved. Most of our members are, some of them also in a manner of capacity can't be just, you know, day-to-day -day stuff, but I'm willing to be kind of that connection point. Chambers um, are a great point. Um, Community-based organizations. Um, we also, as I mentioned earlier, I have um, posters and trading cards that talk about every single one of these and it talks about, it's actually got a person on it with a little description and then it talks about the, wa um, the wage that they'll earn and then there's a QR code that can take you to the site where you can learn more. Um, I'll, I should soon have hard hats to distribute. I usually go one to the classroom so they can talk about, you know, this is the hard hat. This is what I experienced over the summer. Um, I'll have decals here pretty soon I can send out as well. So it sounds like there's a lot resting on one person. It's it's not. There's I just happen to be the conduit to, to local bigger states. So if you're a teacher and you're looking around and you happen to drive by a construction site and you either don't have time to call me or you don't know to call me, you know, walk up to the construction site, ask who the site supervisor is. I can tell you from doing a couple of uh, photo shoots where we were a little bit shoot, short on material, that's exactly what we did. We just walked up and said, hey, who's the site supervisor here? We have a couple of questions. And they're usually willing to answer pretty much anything. So um, let's try to think of other aspects. But th those are the main ways, you know, call myself, um, ask the construction folks, they're always willing to talk to you. And the key part of all of this truly is building that relationship. Um, if you haven't come to your school once or your class once, that's great, but you want an ongoing relationship with them. They love being invested in their schools all the time. He loves seeing people that have come through now or in his apprentices or becoming his journeyman or getting connected to maybe a heavy equipment operation and seeing them go that way. And he's like, even though that was five, 10 years ago, they're now in the industry working alongside me. He's like, there's nothing that's more satisfied, satisfactory to him than that. So they want the relationship. They want to have a place they go back to again and again and again, I guarantee it. You just got to reach out and make that relationship too. And we're going to show folks how to, how to contact you a little bit uh, later on in the episode. But I do think that that is just one, that is amazing. I mean, uh, just being exposed to things and saying things is really cool. Uh, I did some work when I was with the, the city of Portland. I did some, uh, I was in the recruitment area. So we had to recruit some uh, construction equipment operators. And I got to, uh, we partnered with Northwest College of Construction. And I got to go out and actually, uh, you know, put the hard hat on and the vest, you know, my, my family, of course, made fun of me because they said I looked like I was uh, auditioning for the village people, uh, primarily because they know that I have no uh, experience messing around with with any equipment. I was hanging out on one of the back holes and and uh, 
and uh, one of the uh, front end loaders and stuff. And they're like, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing over there. I'm like, yeah, but I'm hanging out. Like I can pretend I know how to do it. And of course I used to, you know, play with those kind of toys growing up with the transformers and those kind of things. And I always wanted to learn how to do it and never got the chance. And, and uh, it was really cool to, to see some of that. And, and one thing I think is really interesting now is how much uh, technology is impacting the construction trade. And so there's, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot more technology, a lot more uh, uh, computer science is going in, into that one, especially on the safety area to make sure folks are, are more safe in, in, in that uh, aspect, but also the environmental piece and being able to, to, to know where to build, where to test, being able to, to, to look at some of the long-term viability of projects, learning about the soil and seeing how, how, how that's gonna work or floodplains or, or a variety of, of different things and being able to predict uh, uh, weather and able to, to build some of our things uh, to withstand some of the more extreme weathers that are happening. Uh, but I'm excited to see the technology piece uh, kind of get in a little bit more. Could you speak a little bit to, to that at all? Yeah, so there's something called BIM modeling. And if you ask me to say what BIM, B, B as in boy, I am stands for, I would probably not be able to tell you, but I do know it's a modeling software and modeling system that actually will, um, it, it's helped a lot of contractors, especially in the planning phase, um, be a lot more efficient. There's programs that you can take on your phone and you can walk into the foyer of a building and you can shoot like point, 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 and it will tell you the measurements completely accurately. And you could put together a rough model using only your phone with this technology. Um, that's for contractors. Um, I know my contractors use it. They're super excited about it and in the applications in the future. One I think that was most fascinating and I saw it when I was participating in the educator externship in High Desert ESD in, in Redmond and Bend was uh, they use a lot of drones. And one of the ways that they were using drones was to measure dirt piles. And so I know that doesn't sound very exciting, but like on a site, you have this big dirt pile and you're slowly taking stuff away and you're moving it around. And what they were finding was they were able to measure the heat signature of the dirt, um, how high it was, remeasuring it, and then continually using drones to see that. And they were really excited about the safety applications of that by, by going, okay, well, if I were able to actually fly a drone up here and then get this measurement and that measurement, then I can actually keep people on the ground until we need to put them up there, right? And then you could take measurements and look at various things that actually would contribute to the efficiency of the site. How much do I order? How soon am I going to go through it? You know, if you're taking height and dimension, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm using 10 pieces of lumber per day and I've got this big and then I'm going to need to reorder at some point. So a lot of efficiencies being built into the system, lots of different technologies. Um, and it's, you know, these are some things that can be a lot, a lot of it can be taught in high school. Um, some of the modeling software, some of the other stuff, designing, et cetera. And it can, a lot of it be started and taught in high school years. So it's not something you can come out of high school and be like, oh, I've seen that before and have some familiarity with it. And as you and I know, technology changes, I think probably more in our lifetime, maybe than anybody else's up to this point, um, besides like maybe the industrial revolution. And it's, it's changed the industry a lot. It's made it a lot more safe. It's made it a lot more efficient um, and able to predict that, like you said, some of those switches for weather. I mean, trying to build something on the side of a mountain, right? Like going in there and taking plans and trying to figure out crev crevices and cracks and you know measurements, it's a lot safer to do so with a drone or, or technology, at least getting it. And you're getting exact measurements, right? Like if I think that this is so far, but the drone is like, nope, it's actually here that's not necessarily something my eye could comprehend, but that drone or that piece of technology could tell you, yep, that's a half an inch difference, or it's a quarter of an inch difference, which again, makes all the difference in cost and in safety in the end. All I could think of whenever you keep saying, uh, you know, house on the side of a mountain, all I can think of is like, either like the Iron Man house or like a bat cave, like I need something where I can like fly my jet, like right into the side of the mountain and it just, you know, goes in there. It was this big cliff and I only got like maybe a 20 second look at it in the video. 
and it was this big cliff and they were actually building this road along the side of this like along the side of it building into it not so much that you needed a jet to get into it but because the structure they were building was literally like right next to this and so they had to work around that and all of the geographical elements of it and then again I've there was uh, underwater work being done on dams and locks um, and in some cases bridges um, our own advanced American who's based uh, actually right underneath the St. John's Bridge I had dinner there one night it was very beautiful um, right underneath the St. John's Bridge they do a lot of like bridge and um, underwater work which again if you think about doing construction underwater that's kind of crazy so well, well, when I when I get mine built, I'm deaf. I at least got to at least be able to take a chopper in there. At least one, if I can't get the jet to fly right through, I at least need the chopper. Uh, but yes, there's there's a lot of that underwater stuff, and 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 we deal with it in uh, East County in particular around the levee, and uh, you know making sure that we uh, constructed the le the levee to be to be safe. So uh, for our for our homes and businesses out in East County, so we wouldn't have a uh, a, a repeat of uh, well, one we had to get certified our uh, our certification from the the national uh, level to be able to in order for folks to be able to get flood insurance. Uh, but uh, my family dealt with the Vanport flood back in the oh wow uh, back in the forties, way back in the day, and we would never want to have a, a repeat of something like that to happen in East County or anywhere if the uh, if the levees broke and. Uh, for folks who don't understand about levees, see uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, and it wasn't just the the rain and the wind that caused the problems. It was that the the levees broke and all the water uh, kind of rushed in and, and flooded. So that's the levees is what keeps the the water at bay, uh, to use somewhat of a pun uh, there, uh, and it it takes underwater construction. To do a lot of those things, so a lot of our infrastructure is done both underwater uh, and underground. Uh, there's even some talks of potentially having the the max go underground. Uh, there, there, there's been some preliminary talks. I don't know how far that's going to go, especially without any federal funding. But there has been talks of of kind of having a subway ish system in the in the Portland metro area. So uh, it's possible. It is possible. What's interesting, and I always found fascinating, was because of the way Portland, you know, the, the city of Portland, the water works, like there are underground tanks that are holding water. There are, you know, what flows down from Bull Run, there's wastewater treatment that runs under, like there's so much that runs underground that we don't think about that's, you know, city, county, and state infrastructure that controls the water we drink and the toilets we flush. And, you know, a lot of times when you're starting to make I wish I remember the story, but somebody was talking about giving a presentation and the student, you could literally see the light bulb go on on their head about like who fixes the things that turns on the lights, right? Like the little stuff that like you walk in a room and you flip on the light and you don't think that, you don't think about the electricity that comes there or the, yeah. so there was, it's, it's really fascinating watching students' brains and even adults' brains kind of connect to the fact that it's like, oh, I'm running, you know, the lead electrician at the Willamina plant for Hampton Lumber, it's a female. And she's like, I want to do things with my hands and I want to not be bored all the time. And she is running their electrician team there. And it's like, she makes huge pieces of machinery run and like run correctly to be able to get the wood to your house or the wood to make the Amazon box to get the Amazon box to your house. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's, you start to think about the connections and it gets, it gets pretty wild. Oh, it definitely does. And we're seeing a lot more of that, especially now with, with telecom. Um, so as we're, as we're, as we're, you know, everybody wants to be 5G and everybody wants high speed internet. Uh, we got folks laying fiber optic cables and uh, you had Google at the Google Glass project that they were uh, looking at working on. And uh, there's always kind of this push uh, for, for last mile connectivity to really start thinking about fiber to the home and getting actual uh, fiber optic cables laid in, in more neighborhoods to go directly to people's houses uh, so that we can have higher speed internet. And there's there's construction involved in that. Uh, you're seeing a lot of that around the state, even in uh, some of the, the smaller towns, like I think Boardman put up a, 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 a deal with, uh, with Comcast and uh, there's a variety of, of data centers. And most people, when most people think about data centers, they don't think about the construction that it takes to support those data centers and the fiber optic cables 
and those other things that that you need uh, construction folks to uh, be able to do in order to build those. I just think of big warehouses when uh, there's a lot of infrastructure that goes on to it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that um, because Fortis Construction um, actually partnered with Facebook and we've known about it for a little while, but they formally launched their program called Hard Hat and Hand. And it's a, I believe, nine or 10 week program run by, um, run through Central Oregon Community College where adults, oh goodness, Charvez, I just lost you on video. I'm still here. Okay, good. Uh, Fortis's Hard Hat and Hand program launched in August where run through Central Oregon Community College, uh, adults can get this intro to construction, OSHA 10, which is a safety certification and training um, to be able to work on a lot of those data centers and work in construction because they realized that there was a shortage. So Fortis built the Facebook data centers in the Redmond Bend area, and they have these very cool cooling stations that were built specifically by plumbers and steam fitters so that they could keep these data centers and these units cool and they have those training units at the UA local 290 in Redmond and where I got to see those um, at their training center but then they're also training more people to be able to work on those data centers because that's exactly it it's it's not just about building them it's about maintaining them and some of that equipment is really specialized and so Fortis entered into agreement where they would train people to be able to do that and so if you're interested you can go to um either East Cascades Works website, or you can go to Central Oregon Community College's apprenticeship website and they get started there. But they're, I think they're into their first cohort. Um, I think classes start either next week or the week after. Um, and they're gonna be rolling that, they start rolling it out in August and we'll continue rolling it out to make sure there's more people in the industry. See, that's really cool. My only question is how do we get that in East County? Cause that, that, that sounds really cool. And uh, you know, you've been mentioning a lot about uh, about Ben and Eugene, we try to stay away from Eugene for, uh, um, you know, this is a beaver friendly show. So we, we stay out of Eugene stuff in, in Lane County. No, they do great work down in Lane County. Shout out to um, to the Lane ESD and, and the work that they're doing at the at the STEM hub down there. Uh, but, you know, how do we, how do, how, how do we encourage some of those training things to come out to MHCC and uh... I'll be I'll be real honest with you it starts at the community college level it starts having and we have strong employer partnerships in Portland I think it's a matter of and I speak Portland metro area Beaverton worked with work systems to create a magnet program for their school district and I think Gresham Barlow or any of the school districts out there Centennial um, I think has a pre-manufacturing one it's a pre-apprenticeship program um Getting one, one or two of those schools registered as a pre-apprenticeship program, so students that you know have NCCER, which is a, an industry certified recognized curriculum for the construction industry, OSHA, learning those would be great. Um, having a pre-apprenticeship program registered, which can be done through the state, and then partnering with Lynn Benton, and I, you know, I referred to the Albany area, Lynn Benton stepped up big. I'll just be real honest with you, they stepped up big in a big way and said, we're willing to take on this training, we're willing to, to pay for transportation, and and I would like to see, and I would hope to see that Mount Hood really take a step in that direction. With Millwright, um, being, you know, with Millwrights, I know that they did that program. They have that program out there that was great and somewhat cutting edge. You could, it, Mount Hood would be a great partner for that, especially certifying people, doing pre-apprenticeship. There's a guy in Lane that does um, like a 10 week kind of apprentice 101 or construction 101. So they walk out with hard hat toolbox and then these basic certifications for industry. Um, I, I'm sure there's probably community-based organizations that could take that on as well. But I would say we'd need to, I'd, I'd identify, probably sit down and try to identify on my side partners with an EGC that'd be like, yeah, I'd be willing to invest in that. And then sit down and look Mount Hood and say, hey, what do we need to do to get this started? You got the people, <laughs> you're going to keep people in your industry or in your local industry, right? Which is the whole point is keeping people at home, keeping people, keeping your workforce there. Let's get Mount Hood on board and figure out what we have to do to make it happen. I and mean, that's that's in reality where I've seen it be the most successful is when the, the community college steps up. And I'll give you an example. There's a gentleman named Dr. Nate Berry, and he's at Metro Community College, Metropolitan Community College in Omaha, Nebraska. And Omaha is about the size of Portland, roughly. It's about a million, a little bit more. And their industry said, we're on board, very much like ours did. And they committed to building, I believe it was over a hundred thousand square foot training center. But Nate, Nate doesn't think that that's good enough. Nate thinks that we have been under delivering on the community college mat, um, on a four year degree. He thinks that it's starting to get a little bit devalued. So he said, what can I do? What can I, Nate Barry, do at this organization? 
So they bring a kid in and when they ask that student, they say, hey, you know what, student, hey, Jarvis, what do you want to do today? And Jarvis says, you know what, I really, really like carpentry, man. Like, I just, I like building things. And they say, okay, we're going to put you on a carpentry path. But we noticed that maybe your, your communication skills and your English skills are pretty high, but maybe you need some construction math. So we're going to design a program where it's construction math and this, and then we're going to put you in this boot camp that gives you the basic construction skills. Oh, but we're also going to make sure that there's an employer there with you so that you're tied to an employer so that by the time you graduate our program, you can either A, get a job or B, go into an apprenticeship program. And as I had a beer with Nate, uh, not knowing Nate was Nate, <laughs> the night before the summit, um, I said, you know, Nate, that's really fascinating. And I said, how, how many employers do you have? And he looked me dead in the eye and says, over 800. And I said, you have 800 employers that work with your college to get people in the industry. He goes, yeah. Next day, he gave a TED Talk about their program, which since 2014 has grown by 53%. So it's, it's in an area very comparable to the size of ours with a community college in the industry that, stood, that just stepped up and said, let's do this. And I'm telling you, that is the number one thing I walked away from, from that one day summit was Nate and his contact information, might I say, I about tackled the guy for it. I was like, give a card. Can I like LinkedIn you? Is this, I don't want to be weird, but I'm really excited. Um, guys, I apparently Dr. Nate Berry and has been doing this. He's a Dean of CTE programming at Metropolitan Community College. And he was passionate about it and he brought everybody along board with him. And the industry was like, let's do this. And so that's, I believe East County, I believe that the metro area can do this. I believe East County would be a great place to do it. Um, and I, I, I think the potential is there, but I'll tell you, first and foremost, it's got a, a big step in the right direction be getting Melhead on board. And I hope that's not too frank. No, no, no. We like Frank and, and, and all, his, uh, all his friends. Uh, I just want to make sure to point out there are some uh, apprenticeship programs at, uh, at MHCC. If you're interested, go to uh, mhcc.edu slash apprenticeship. Uh, there's some information there. You can speak with, with Don Loomis, um, our uh, uh, Jane Erickson-Clark. Uh, there's definitely some information there for folks who are interested in some apprenticeships. And I think what, uh, I think one thing that's interesting when we look at other metro areas around the, the country is I think one thing that, it's, it's a pro and a con, is that uh, how we have our community uh, college systems uh, in Oregon, but particularly in the metro area, you know, we have uh, we have three main ones in the Portland metro area, and uh, they 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 almost they they have to be they have to work together, but they also kind of have to compete as well. So it's uh, yes, you know, if if PCC has something, it'd be great if PCC and uh, uh, Mount Hood work together on some things or. Clackamas workers, we all three kind of share. We kind of had a, a tri-county thing, uh, but you know how funding works and and other things. Uh, it is it is often difficult. And then we have an area in East County where you're not. You know, some people may feel they're not far enough east to be Mount Hood, and they're not far enough west to be at PCC. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, well, well, which one do we go to? Or, or where is this at? Or Yes, this might be at PCC. Like for example, you have the 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 OMEC uh, training center that's around so excited, uh, yeah. uh, manufacturing. Like that sounds great, but that's all the way in uh, uh, Columbia County. And so, you know, for somebody for from somebody who's in Gresham or even in in East Portland to try to go out there, it can be a problem. And so, uh, in the in the metro area. While we think we're relatively small, the area is kind of big, and so especially for those who are underrepresented or uh, who may not have a lot of money to be able to transport themselves and things like that, where we put a lot of these resources uh, is is very important. And I think that's what's a little bit a little bit easier in a community like Bend or even at at LB. There's a there's a lot of folks kind of in you know pretty close physical distance to the Albany area there's there's still a lot of folks on the on the outs, outside uh but everything is kind of geared towards coming to that spot and i think just from our uh, our infrastructure pieces uh from from transportation from uh from public transit and some of those things 
not everything is always geared towards going straight to our community colleges. So yes, I can get to Mount Hood, might take me two buses. Yes, I can get to PCC, I might take a max to a bus uh, to get there. And, and some of those things are stopping some folks, especially when we look at folks uh, who have children uh, and, and are, are caring for folks and things like that. It's not just that they can't get to the training site or the, the opportunity or the work-based learning opportunity, is that they have to get there and back as well as they have to look at, uh, at, you know, trying to make money for their family as well. So, which is which is why I love so a few things you brought up there that I want to address, which I think are just written spot on nail on the head. It's why I was always so passionate about East County having things that are East County, right? Because of that exact thing, we shouldn't expect people to haul themselves. I, I love the PCC Trades Center at you know with Sal Castaneda and Omec and. But again, you're right. Like, you know, I'll be honest with you, Jarvez. I live at the end of um, Cornelius Pass Road and I'm right at TV Highway. And I don't always like hauling myself up to Sabi's Island or up to like Columbia County. It only takes me 30 minutes and I can drive. That's a freedom I have. But working and living in East County, I mean, that it can feel very, very frustrating when you're like, I work full time and I'm caring for my elderly mother and I have a small child and I'm in a single parent household. How am I supposed to make time for this and to get, yes, I want to go do that, but I can't afford to be on a bus for two hours each way because by the time I afford whatever it is I'm affording, it's wiped out because of childcare or I'm worried about my elderly mother, whatever the case may be. Um, one thing that I want to really do shout out Mount Hood on is Dawn has is, is always been absolutely terrific, but we, AGC, wrote a letter of support for um, Mount Hood and their pre-apprenticeship training. And uh, the US Department of Education um, announced them as one of the winners of the Rethink Adult Education Challenge, uh, which is advancing pre-apprenticeships. Um, and they chose to do it with an approach, I believe, to the bilingual side of things. So students that English was not their first language. So they were awarded that just a couple of months ago to start rethinking apprenticeship. And I know that Kristen Kulangoski and her team out there are really pushing hard for adult pre-apprenticeships, which again, I think does address some of the things that you and I were talking about, right? If you live what feels like BFE out in Troutdale, um, it's a little easier to get to, to Mount Hood, right? And it's a little easier to think about, though I know that Constructing Hope and OTI, they hold their things a lot in the evening or on weird hours or things that you're like, oh, that's right, I wouldn't even have thought about that. Same thing with Northwest College of Construction because they want people to be able to work full-time, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, they want people to be able to work full time and they want people to um, be able to get to these programs with minimal worry about how they're going to pay for it or how far away it is. So I really do want to give them a huge shout out because they have come a long way um, in, in some of the work that they're doing. I know Kristen and Dawn have been at the helm of that. So I was super proud to actually, that was one of the first letters of support I submitted um, and coming into this job was to this rethink adult edge challenge. I just think that it can't be anything good, but for East County and for the region. And for those that are just listening to the audio, uh, we have a, a, a link to the, the website up uh, where uh, the college announced that they, they won the $100,000 rethink adult ed award for their pre-apprenticeship programs. If you want to view that yourself, uh, just type in uh, uh, rethink adult ed and MHCC, and this was the first one that will come up, or you can go to mhcc.edu slash 0930-2021 forward slash, and you'll get right to that uh, link, and you can see a little bit more about that. It was, it, I was so happy when I saw them get, no, get a letter for that. Kristen let us know, and I just thought, what a great thing to serve East County, right? Especially with your English language, English language learners who it's a big barrier for them. And it's not just learning construction skills or other apprentice skills. It's actually learning workplace skills as well, communication and, you know, the things that can be difficult if you're trying to translate them <laughs> versus learning them in your native language. So we want to make sure that we're being accessible to everybody. Right. Hold on right there. We're going to do a quick uh, sponsor read once again. This episode of In the Numbers podcast is sponsored by these Metro STEAM Partnership. These Metro STEAM Partnership is looking to add uh, uh, dedicated leaders to our leadership team, as well as to our action teams. And you can see more information about this at eastmetrosteam.org. That is eastmetrosteam.org. You can find a lot more information about us 
about our initiatives, about our calendar, and you can just see so many cool things that we're doing. We're actually going to be having some more videos up. Uh, remember, we are here to provide students and families with equitable access to STEAM, as well as learning opportunities, and hope that this leads to a skilled workforce. We do this by engaging stakeholders, industry leaders, and underrepresented communities in STEM to create partnerships to support STEM education and increase community awareness of STEM. And so before we go too much further, we're, we're getting closer to the end and it always seems that when we talk, we could go on for, for hours. But one thing I did wanna make sure to bring up, which I thought was really interesting about uh, AGC is the work that they do in the small business area. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about the trade work is, uh, which most people don't seem to, to realize that, is that the trade areas are often a conduit to entrepreneurship and small business. Because uh, a lot of folks, they, they, they get the trade, they learn their trade. And uh, you know some folks may work for a larger company uh, like a like a Colas or or uh, you know someone like that, uh, but some may also start their own independent businesses. Um, you you see it a lot with electricians, you see it with plumbers, uh, HVAC. I mean, you could go on and on. And some do it in a manner of, of kind of subcontracting for the the larger contractors and, and use that way as a way of of being their own boss and, and starting their own business. And uh, you know some do it on the uh, on the more consumer side or our, our residential side and, and work that way. Uh, but, but AGC has a lot of supports for uh, those folks that are interested in, in starting their own business. Uh, you talk a, a, a few minutes about that, if, if you could? Yeah, I don't have as much information on that. So full disclosure, I'm only about six months on this job. I've been on workforce development for a long time. So my particular knowledge about AGC is still somewhat in its infancy, but one of the things that we do do, and I work pretty closely with our, our membership manager, Allie, is she puts on, they have, a, they have a construction leaders council, and then they also have a specialty contractors council, and that's really for exactly what you just said. So not so much that like you have to serve on it, but there's just spaces and groups within AGC to serve what your needs are. Are you struggling with marketing? Are you struggling with getting connected to, you know, state bureaus? Are you struggling with setting up certain things within your business? Like we'll do seminars on, you know, contracting with large organizations or whatever the case may be to make sure that they feel supported um, because it's rough out there starting your own business, trying to figure out, you know, how to get yourself paid, how to make sure your clients pay, how to do the work that, you know, you know that you can do. And we try to provide all of the well, we try to provide all of the support that we can among that. I know most, most of our membership is made up of smaller contractors. Um, you know, again, one of my favorite and most vocal <laughs> volunteer leaders is Lauren Watts, and his company is less than 20 employees. So, you know, we love active people that are just committed to that. And really, if you think about it, all the data shows that's where the economy grows, right? Is those mid-sized, small to mid-sized businesses. That's who's hiring, you know, that's who's driving a lot of that economy. So, if you don't mind, Jarvis, I want to speak to something that you said a little while ago. And it's a, I don't mind. Go right ahead. Um, underserved populations, underrepresented populations um, are, are where the future is in so many ways. I mean, yeah, well, the state is about majority white. Um, but one thing that my campaign, the campaign Build Oregon, did, we didn't build Build Oregon, the site and the philosophy out of a, hey, that looks sexy. Let's go do that. We intentionally sat down with Eco Northwest and our marketing agency, um, Quinn Thomas, and built a study. And this was done in 20, 2019. And we talked to contractors, apprentices, school age folks, adults in workforce, adults that didn't know what the heck construction was, um, our own contractors, subcontractors, anybody and everybody that would, that would participate. We did focus groups, we did surveys to find out where the pain points were, where the myths were, um, why people didn't want to get into it, why they didn't want to stay into it, how we can improve culture. And through that, we've had a lot of DEI initiatives born. But most importantly, when we started building Build Oregon site and the campaigns, we're targeting it towards women, people of color, other people in the industry that may not feel like they're seen. And so when we're advertising, we're not just saying that, hey, this is a career for like you, that one guy in woodshop. It's, hey, man, maybe you thought about working with your hands, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're the first in your, your family to advance 
your education, this is a debt-free way to do it. This is a way to have a team support your success. And so all of the imagery, all of the people, everything that you see on the site for Build Oregon was photographed here in Oregon on Oregon sites with Oregon workers. Um, and we're continuing to do so. We, we were so close. Um, we were actually gonna partner with Colis on a shoot and the timing didn't just work out, uh, but we've tried to focus on getting women and people of color. And again, you know, Massively. Did you give everybody that website again so folks know? Yep, build-oregon.com. Uh, works best on Google Chrome, I will say that. And I say that because it's designed as a mobile-first website so that if you're out someplace and you're just looking for jobs and you want to check it out, Build Oregon is designed to work best and well on your phone so that it doesn't look weird or you're not clicking on weird things or whatever's going on. And so there's quizzes on there, like I said, but it's designed and our, our advertising campaign as well. In fact, our first three influencers are female. Um, they're a car, excuse me, a stonemason, a tile setter, and a plumber. And they all come from different backgrounds. One of them is a single mom. Um, and she's super excited that she's, she actually graduated with an English degree. And she's like, I don't, this, I'm in crushing student debt and I have, I can't get a job. And she found being a stonemason has, she says she's proud of the life she's built. And so I, we're trying to target this to say, look, I don't care where you're at in your life or your career. If you want to make a change, this can be an industry for you. And we want to make that work. We're doing a lot of work with Nate McCoy at NAMAC Oregon, who I actually need to bounce here in a second because they're running the Safe from Hate content. <laughs> no problem. We got to work on getting him on as well. Uh, for <laughs> folks who are listening to just the audio, we do have the website up right now. And while she's talking, we're, we're showing that a bit. So it's uh, build-oregon.com. So we're showing uh, some of that. Go ahead and keep talking. I want to. Um, so I just, I just like to encompass that by saying, you know, we don't have a ton of folks of color in Oregon, but we just want everybody to know that they're welcome here. And the construction industry as a whole, you can only look forward and you can only do the best you can do to make sure that people know that, right? We want it to be a safe, fun place to come to work. And so we're trying to demonstrate that with our site and our advertising and then internally with culture as well. I know many, many contractors are really working to make sure that they're implementing trainings and educational activities so that we all feel like it's a good place, safe place, and it's a fun place to go to work. And frankly, that there are other people that look like them on the job site as well. So I just wanted to kind of, it's not the elephant in the room, but I always want to make sure that that's addressed when it comes to our campaigns and our work. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad that you address it because it needs to be addressed. So, um, you know, everyone's welcome. Uh, we want to thank you, Asha. I want to get let you get to your, your next meeting, but we want to thank you so much for being with us. Everybody give her a big round of applause. And you can more than welcome to visit her for those who are on audio. I just know we're showing the website, agc-oregon.org. There's a lot, there's great stuff on here. You can see industry priorities. Uh, there's a lot of stuff under workforce development opportunities. You can see a really lot of cool stuff there. Uh, if you want to go and uh, speak directly to Asha, just click on about us, as I am doing right now. You scroll down to meet our staff. And then you scroll down just a little bit more and she's the newest person. So she's still waiting to get her picture on the website. Uh, and you'll see Asha's information here, uh, workforce and professional development program manager, her email at Asha, A-S-H-A-A. -A. So the extra A is for her first initial at agc-oregon.org. Feel free to reach out to her. Uh, feel free to check out AGC if you're not a member feel free to join and feel free to, to engage yourself. Uh, if you're a teacher, uh, definitely check out some of those really cool things under, under uh, the workforce development program. So you click on workforce development. There's some really cool things, student outreach. You can send students directly here. There's workforce grants. There's other really cool things uh, to feel free to take a look at when, whenever you have a moment. So Asha, any, any last things you want to share with everybody as we, as we sign out? You know, just thanks, Jervez. I always appreciate talking to you. You know that. I always appreciate talking about what, what we do um, as AGC. Um, feel free to let me know how we can continue to engage. I, you know, East County is a, a pet project, pet passion of mine. Um, knowing how dollars are distributed along the Portland area, I know that we want to get, make sure East County gets the love and gets the support that they need. So if there's initiatives I can help on, you know, absolutely let me know. And then 
we're, again, we're a member-led organization, and I mean that very seriously. Our members are, they dictate where they want us to go. They give us a lot of support. But if you're a teacher or a community-based organization and you are just freaking out a little bit over the new WBL regulations or what they mean or trying to get sector involvement or industry involvement in your school, I'm also here for you. That's, you know, I'm here to communicate that to our members as well. So I can't emphasize enough, track me down. Um, I, I can answer questions or maybe facilitate. There's... A, if you're struggling with something in the state, I guarantee that somebody else is struggling with it too. And I can help put you in contact with them and make this world seem a little bit less lonely when it comes to, to projects like that. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Uh, you've done such great work in our in our community. We're glad that you're able to do some some work now on the on the statewide level where we're 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 sad to to see you go, but happy where you're you're ending up and happy for the work that you're doing. So uh, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you all for being with us. Remember, our number of the day was 90, which it really should be 99. Mm -hmm. Seeing that next year, AGC is going to be 100 years old uh, here in the state. And we're excited for their continued work. And uh, we're excited to be a part of it. So thank you for joining us for In the Numbers podcast. I'm your host, Jarvis Hall, the East Metro STEAM Partnership. Until next time, make sure that you always stay in the numbers. Bye-bye.